Jesus stood among them and said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. I'm Kara Cardell. And I'm Fred Schellebarger. And you're listening to My Lord and My God, Encountering Christ in the Eucharist. In our last episode, we took up the question, is mass boring? And we kind of were trying to answer it from the standpoint of, you know, your average parishioner um, sitting in the pew. But we want to continue with that same question. And we've invited our um, our good friend, Father Bame, on because I think it's also important to take this question from the perspective of a priest. Um, both hearing that, you know, I, th- I find mass, mass boring, but also really diving in like, do you uh, feel that? So um, within the context of this show, like we're going to have episodes that are really diving into the invisible realities that would answer that question. Absolutely not. We can't say mass is boring because this, this, and this is happening that we can't see. Right. Yeah. We're going to talk about all that. This is really just like, you know, what happens when we find mass boring? How can we respond? And is it like okay to admit that? Those those mm. sorts of things. Father Pat, you're like our go-to guest you on, really are. on both of our shows. <laughs> I know. I, I was thinking that actually. We need a breeze. Day. Let's have Father. <laughs> I, I am, I'm honored by that. I appreciate I appreciate that. That's really cool. But uh, I love coming on. I love doing your show. And I love just talking with you guys. It's, it's cool. You have good insight. So we like having you. Thank you. So do you. Well, thank you. you bet. I guess I, I'll start with that that question, Father. Um, yeah. Well, have you heard parishioners say that they find mass boring, and how do you respond to them? No, I've never heard that. I don't know how to respond to that. Um, You're a liar. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course, I've heard that. Um, not about my masses, of course, but uh, like other priest masses are boring, but mine are. <laughs> no, are, my masses no. are boring. Okay. The well, thing no, that okay. really stands out to me is Father Pat's humility. Yes. <laughs> yes. As, uh, as a friend of mine likes to say, I'm very proud of my humility. No. Um, that's, that's what you say. <laughs> do I say that? I might have, I might have oh, stole that from okay, your friend. I don't, I don't know. I heard. I have a brother priest that says that sometimes. Okay, nice. so how do I even begin to answer this? All right, I think mass is boring. Well, suck it up, Buttercup. I mean, that like to a certain degree, like yeah, it kind of is for a number of reasons, and and let's just go through them really quickly. All right, and then we can dive into how do we make it not boring, but. First thing, let's just talk about our definition of boring, right? In, in contemporary culture, I was actually having this discussion just a tiny little bit, broached it just a tiny bit today with the, the seniors that I teach, the, my senior theology class. And we we're talking a little bit just about like, why don't young people want to go to mass? Well, it's boring. Okay. What they mean by that oftentimes is I'm not being entertained, to which I respond, well, good. You're not supposed to be entertained at mass. You're not going for your entertainment. If you're going for your entertainment, you're going for the wrong reasons. Now, I think we've heard that quite a bit. Uh, I, I would say really, especially over the last 20 years, kind of with this new liturgical movement, uh, to some people call it the reform of the, of the reform. Some people call it uh, a authentic interpretation of what the Second Vatican Council actually taught whatever it may be, as there's been a shift towards more traditional liturgy, particularly from among young people, a common mantra, if you will, is you don't go to mass to be entertained. And there's a real truth to that. 
the the simple reality is that you could have the best music at the at the best most dynamic Paris in the world, you know, the most dynamic Paris with the most dynamic music in the world, and you will never out entertain the entertainment industry. So if somebody is going to right. mass looking to be entertained, and they're going for the wrong reasons. But the other thing mm-hmm. I think that we have to talk about when it comes to well, I'm bored, is do you understand what mass is? And have you prepared yourself to enter into the reality? Because unfortunately, most of us are really kind of centered in our 3D world, but we have to sort of think in four dimensions. And the fourth dimension, of course, is heaven, the eternal reality mm-hmm. that, uh, that God invites us to live and walk in. And so that's, I mean, that's what's going on at Mass. There, there's a couple of good right. books that are written about this. Uh, Dr. Scott Hahn's very famous book, The Lamb's Supper, talks about this. Um, kind of the more scholarly version of Dr. Hahn's book is by a, a priest named Father Rosh Kareshti, and it's called uh, Wedding Feast of the Lamb. But basically, the, the gist of both books is the same, that what is happening at the Mass is the heavenly liturgy, that heaven and earth literally kiss, that God comes to us in the form of bread and wine in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, but it's there that not only that God comes to us, but he takes us up into heaven. That's not boring. It's just, unfortunately, that we, most of us, we can't see that. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. It does make sense. It's hard to enjoy the invisible. (laughs) What, What do you think is the, what do you think the role is in celebrating liturgy well in capturing that reality? And what effect does that have on, our perception of, of mass as boring capturing the invisible stuff. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like how you said that celebrating mass. Well, it is an art. So one of the things that they talk about in priestly formation that my brother priest and I will talk about is what's known as the Ars celebrandi. So Ars meaning art celebrandi of celebrate the art of celebrating. I'm a big believer that when liturgy is done well, it elevates the mind and the heart to the divine. It elevates our, our senses, both our interior and our exterior senses to God. So what do I mean by that? We as Catholics believe in the incarnation that God became human and that he entered into all that is human. We also believe that we live in a sacramental world meaning the things of the world point to deeper realities beyond themselves. And so as such, because we are physical corporeal beings, meaning we have a body and we live in a physical world that is sacramental, everything that we do at mass has a meaning behind it. So incense is meant to remind us that our prayers are rising up to heaven but it engages the sense of smell. Bells, you traditionally rung at, depending on where you're at, two, three, or four different times. Uh, in our parish, we ring them three times. Once at what's called the epiclesis, it's where the priest puts his hands over the bread and wine and invokes the Holy Spirit upon it. And then uh, three times at each elevation, some places will also ring the bells when the priest receives Holy Communion, because that's the completion of the sacrifice. Whatever you, whatever you do in the parish, those bells remind us that, okay, something is important that's going on here, and it engages our auditory sense. 
The Eucharist, of course, engages a sense of taste uh, with, with our mouths. There's singing and communication with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And of course, there's the visual aspect. So the visual elements of the liturgy raise the heart and the mind to God. So all things being equal, Mass should not be celebrated on a kitchen table. You can do that. And I, I personally have done that many times when I'm traveling. But all things being equal, it should be in a church on an altar that's been consecrated. And that church should really be beautiful, meaning the stained glass. And it, it should be clean. Um, the altar should be reverent they, you know, mm -hmm. and dignified. That's the, that's the words that the Second Vatican Council uses. But the Roman rite, the Roman liturgy is defined by reverence and dignity. So the vestments, for instance, like in the, I mean, I, I don't want to try to criticize an era, but it's just the truth that for a while there was this fad with liturgical vestments that like they just, there was almost this push to make them look as tacky as possible. And mm -hmm. so what, what is that, what is that subconsciously telling us? So it's saying, well, this isn't really all that important. Right. This isn't really like this isn't about God and his people. This is about us coming together as a community. Now, that is an aspect of it. Us coming together as a community is an aspect. But we always want to have nice things. So even like St. John Vianney certainly did not live an opulent life. But even he said, look, we should spend money on nice things for God. Mother Teresa, who, you know, wore shoes that were literally falling apart. <clears throat> Mother Teresa would even say, we have to have nice vestments, nice chalices, <clears throat> nice things for the mass, because it reminds us who we are serving, that we are serving Christ, mm -hmm. that this is elevating us to Christ. And so to, to really answer your question, Fred, that ours celebrandi, that art of celebrating, reading the, the prayers of the mass as they're intended to be read, doing the, the actions that the mass asks us to do. And, and I don't mean like you know, clap our hands at the Alleluia or something. I mean, like, there's a there's an action where it says the priest um, makes a sign of the cross over the book of the Gospels as he proclaims the gospel. And so doing those things that the church asks us to do, where she asks us to do them, remind us of a couple of things. One, that the liturgy isn't about you and me. Mass isn't about us. It's about God, first and foremost. It's mm -hmm. about God. And it's about entering into proper worship of him. But then two, it reminds us not only that it is, is it about God, but that God brings us into the heavenly reality. Heaven is more beautiful than anything we can possibly comprehend. We have to realize that. that I mean, just read the book of Revelation. John describes it as more beautiful than he can. I mean, he even says, like, I can't even really put this into words, but I'm going to do the best that I can. And so we want to give God our very best, the very best that we right. have. I want to jump back to what you were saying at yeah. the beginning about uh, to answer the question, is mass boring? We have to figure out, okay, what is what is boring? And it means we're not being entertained. I think sometimes when we hear that, like, you know, I didn't get something from mass or mass is boring. The initial reaction is, well, let's make it more fun. For the longest yeah. <laughs> time, the word fun was just like a trigger for me i was like mm. what does that even mean does that mean like we don't take this seriously we just have games all the time and my response was kind of negative i'm like if they want to have fun they're going to go hang out with their friends and they're not going to come to your your religion class they can mm. have fun with their friends we're we're supposed to give them like you're just explaining this elevation of prayer 
and they can be like we live in a world where there's so much entertainment out there mm. high quality produced entertainment where we're probably not going to compete with that i'm sorry but what the world out there does not have is this solemnity is this reverence right. is this beauty and so just like you're saying to to elevate how we're celebrating to show the the invisible realities that it's heavenly it's supposed to draw our heart to heaven is what we can offer and what we should offer in the mass to help people really enter into that yeah and father as you were sharing with that i i, I couldn't help but be reminded again of leviticus it's clear in that that book that people read to fall asleep at night. Um, that the Lord, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The Lord cares how we worship. There is a right way to worship. He wouldn't have spent all that time toward the end of Exodus and all of Leviticus really outlining the proper way to worship. And in Scripture, we find the very same thing you were saying uh, of Mother Teresa and St. John Vianney. God always got the best. That's right always got the best, whether it was in the sacrifices or in uh, the temple's construction, whatever it was, in, in the utensils that were used in worship, whatever it is, God always deserved the best. He cares how we worship. Yeah, that's exactly right. I agree. I'm curious for you, Father, because um, we admitted in the last episode that it's okay to say mass is boring. Oh yeah. Because uh, because we're like you would just explained, we are sensory people, and sometimes the senses bore us. <laughs> um, so as a priest, you know, you get to celebrate mass every single day. Yep. Does it ever feel boring or mundane to you? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I wish that it didn't. Um, but there are times where, you know, if it's my third mass on a Sunday, for instance. Um, there's good wisdom in why the church says a priest should only celebrate one mass per day and two with a, with a pastoral need and then two on a Sunday, but three with permission of the bishop, which is exactly what our bishop requires of us in our diocese. There's good wisdom within that because by the time I'm at my third, if you really pray through those, you try to enter into that liturgy, I'm, my mind is thinking I'm hungry. Where am I going for yeah. brunch after this? You know, it, I mean, if any of your listeners happen to listen to our recent Drawn Near podcast, we talk about sports. I'm a huge NFL fan. Like, I'll be, I'll be totally honest. A lot of times by my last mass on Sunday morning, I don't want to, but I'm starting to think like, okay, what time's the Niner game start? And do I have time to run to <laughs> Hy-Vee and make nachos before the game kicks off? Like, I, right. I, I mean, I, I wish I didn't have those thoughts running through my head, but I do. Maybe some advice to people of how do we actually get a little bit more out of this? Because, yes, we go to give something to the Lord. Yeah. We have to have that as our first priority. But we also go to receive. Right? God wants to give something to us in the Mass. And so how do we receive better from the Lord? So I was thinking about this, even as you guys were talking. I think one of the biggest detriments or one of the biggest deterrents to people actually being able to engage in the mass is TikTok. Here's what I mean by that. Like <laughs> I know exactly I, what you mean by this. <laughs> well no no like I'm I'm engaged in like teenage world, right? I don't live in the teenage world, but I spend most of my time ministering and working with teenagers as the chaplain of a Catholic high school and a, a teacher in a Catholic high school. 
TikTok, like, I want to say something redeeming about TikTok, but I really can't. Like, I really no. cannot find any good thing to say about it because for listeners father who might not know because we have a range of ages tiktok is a social media platform that is basically all videos a couple seconds you just keep scrolling and it's more videos yep it's more and here's here's the problem (laughs) that's it it is perfectly named right because what does a clock do a clock goes tick tock tick tock tick tock Mm -hmm. it's perfectly named and so one hour two hours three hours go by and these kids will have scrolled through hundreds of videos and just as you say, Kara, each one may be at the most two minutes long. And so what's it doing? It's conditioning us to have zero attention spans. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I love Pope Francis, but I'm going to actually disagree with him on one thing. He has said repeatedly, well, priests should only preach eight minutes. Homily should only be eight minutes. With all due respect, Holy Father, there are some topics that take longer to cover. They just do. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that a homily should be, it's like confession. It should be as long as it needs to be. So I have preached a homily Mm -hmm. that is over in three seconds, literally, because I could make the point in three seconds. And I've preached others that have gone on for 22 minutes because they, they take that long to adequately explain the topic. Well, when we've conditioned people to have an attention span of a five-year-old when they're 35, well, of course, when father's up there talking for 10 minutes and they're used to a TikTok video that lasts 33 seconds, yeah. their attention span is just gone. And so yeah. you check out. So how do you get more out of mass? Well, the first thing, and I, I, like, I, I mean this in all sincerity, turn off TikTok. Like, go read a book. Yep. Go read a book. Go watch a movie. Like, like I, I'm totally serious. Teenagers can't watch movies anymore because they last two hours too long. Uh-huh. Their attention span right, doesn't yeah. last two hours. I like, I'm not, I'm not making that up. They can't like, I'm totally serious. So do things to increase your attention span. The second thing is actually read the readings, pray through the readings before you get there, know what they're going to say. One of the things that I tell people all the time, anticipate what father might say in his homily. You're probably going to be wrong. Because you can go to 400 different masses, they have the exact same readings, you're going to hear 400 different homilies. And every one of them is totally good, because the Spirit moves in different ways with different people. But if you can read the readings, try and figure out, okay, what is this saying, and how might God be speaking to me through this, you'll already have a leg up. The other thing that I think is really important, we have to be pastorally sensitive on this, but we can't underestimate the importance of this. Be in a state of grace. As mm-hmm. you know, when you come to Mass, be in a state of grace. So, what does that mean? If you're conscious of some mortal sin, get to confession before you go to Mass, certainly before you receive communion. So, the, I mean, the, the, the church teaches, because it's right in the Bible, that we should not receive Holy Communion if we are conscious of an unconfessed mortal sin. But I would say that if you have that on your soul, you are also not going to be able to receive every grace that God wants to give you through your participation in that mass. Most especially because you're not receiving Holy Communion. And if you are, you're receiving it sacrilegiously, which is actually a further serious sin that you need to confess to. And again, I I don't say that to, to harm anybody, 
or to scandalize or to scare anybody or anything like that. I say that because in the order of grace, things actually work the way that God intended them to. So there's a, there's a line that Thomas, St. Thomas Aquinas would say and, and others after him, grace builds on nature. So in other words, grace builds on our human nature. But if our human nature has been, I mean, it's been corrupted by original sin. But if we participate in that corruption through turning away from God ourselves, well, then in, we have, in a certain sense, if God is the artist and grace is the paintbrush and we are the canvas, we haven't given him a canvas to paint on, to follow that analogy. So go to confession, read the readings before you get there, and lengthen your attention spans. Yeah, I don't know if this makes me just like not relatable at all. <laughs> Sometimes it makes me feel that way. But like I can't stand social media. I really can't. Mm-hmm. And it's that reason because I find myself sitting there and scrolling and realizing, wow, I just wasted a ton of time and I was mm-hmm. not fed and I don't feel good about what I like how I just spent my time. Right. So I agree with that 100%. And even even with that like grace builds on nature, we are we are conditioning ourselves in that for our nature to be uh poor attention spans we don't get we're not entertained as easily because things are at our fingertips all like that becomes part of our nature it becomes ingrained in us so even that makes it exactly what you said it makes it more difficult for god to um speak into our lives and give Mm -hmm. us that the grace that we need in the way that we can receive it well right right i was thinking of a lot of apps we have on our phone the game we keep playing because we want to unlock yep. this achievement and unlock this I find, achievement. I find too that like when I give up one app, I find the other one that I can go to. Like, mm-hmm. so you open your phone and there's something to do. And then like another, a different one that wasn't bothersome before now becomes the one. So yeah, you're, you're right. Right. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I reflect on this a lot myself and a little insight into father Patrick Bames Lent because I recognize in myself, I spend too much time on social media. For for me, my downfall is Twitter and YouTube. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, these can be great platforms, but I spend too much time and and I look at my time and I'm like, holy cow, I could have been praying. I could have been reading. I could have been going out for coffee with somebody and sharing the gospel with them, with another human being. Right. And so I'm convicted by this because at the end of our life, like Jesus is very clear that we're going to have to render an account and not just an account of like, how did we live and, and did we follow his will and, and strive to serve him? But like, he's going to say, I gave you X amount of time. What did you do with it? Time, like, yeah. I, there's a, I, I love to play chess. And I remember, uh, I don't, maybe some people have seen this when COVID first hit and we had nothing to do and we were all locked inside and, um, I, I've got a subscription to that, that I don't know, it's called masterclass. And so mm-hmm. I, I love chess and I went through the online masterclass with Gary Kasparov. Gary Kasparov is by most accounts, the second greatest chess player that's ever lived. Um, he was world champion and he has a line in there where he's talking to people. Time is precious. Can't waste time. Now he's talking in the context of chess, but it applies equally to life. Mm-hmm. We have a finite amount of time and God's going to demand an account of every second. If we're yeah. spending right. hours and hours and hours on social media, not only are we weakening our attention spans for things that are important, we're also not doing the things that God wants us to do 
and we're going to have to be accountable to that at our judgment. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. We're very close to time, Father. So right. I'm curious because this episode is really looking at uh, is mass boring? And from the perspective of a priest, what you know, you admitted, uh, yeah, sometimes it can feel mundane and it's okay to admit that. It really is. It shows that Absolutely. we're human. It shows that we're we're fallen. Um, we're trying. We're striving, and that's what God wants from us. So, in your uh, in your experience, what are things that have helped you, and maybe could help some of your brother priests to really um, kind of not fall into that, um, you know, mundaneness of celebrating three masses a weekend or every day or whatever? And how can you engage more as a priest? Yeah. You know, you remind me of something that St. Charles Borromeo wrote, actually. Um, This pops up in the Office of Readings, which is part of the Liturgy of the Hours that we pray every day. The second reading for the Memorial of St. Charles Borromeo, he asks this exact question, and he deals with this exact question. And his answer is kind of scathing. He really kind of like takes his priests to task as their bishop, and he says, when you say mass is boring, what were you doing beforehand? What were you doing before in the sacristy? What were you doing in your time leading up to that? So I would say to my brother priests, if you find mass boring and burdensome and a chore, how are you spending the rest of your time? Again, like, yeah. are you, and, and admittedly, pot, meat, kettle, okay? Um, are you spending too much time online with things that distract us? Are you spending that time in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament? Because if we adore Jesus in the Eucharist, we spend that time with him. We pray our daily holy hour, which Archbishop Sheen recommended to every priest and said that every priest should be doing this. St. John Paul II said the same thing, that every priest should be spending time every day before our Lord in the Eucharist. That if we do this, then our hearts will be more conformed to Christ and more open and receptive and ready to enter in to the Holy Mass. And the same thing applies to laity. Like the more the time that we spend with Jesus, the more we long to receive him in Holy Communion, to be with him in, in the greatest prayer that we have to offer, which is the Holy Mass. I hope that answers. I hope did that kind of answer it. Did. Mm-hmm. It did. And it was a beautiful answer. So yeah. yes, absolutely. Well, and, and again, I'd tell people like, hey, if you don't believe me, then go to the memorial reading for St. Charles Borromeo. I, I think it's November 4th. It's the second reading of the Officer Readings that day. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, uh, as a family, we decided to give up all screens for Lent. Beautiful. Unless it was directly related to work or school, which it's surprising how little that is when you really get down to it. Yep. And yep. so we, we even packed away the TV. We packed away all the video games. And what I found during that time is, for one thing, we played a lot more board games together. The kids started learning chess, funny enough. Beautiful. And uh, just enjoying that time together. And it felt like, at least my perception of everything, and how, like looking back, but I do think it's genuinely true. They they were more engaged in the faith. And it seemed like they behaved better at mass and they were more engaged. And I don't know, I found that time so fruitful. So I just... Really, what I'm trying to do is reiterate what you're saying. When you unplug from some of those other things, it's easier to engage in the mass. It doesn't seem as boring because you're not comparing it to, I just leveled up on, you know, on Marvel Snap or whatever. You're more engaged in the reality of what is happening, I feel like, when you're turning everything else off. Yeah, turn off your screens, turn off your devices, except Fred and Kara's podcast. You can keep those going. Yes, yeah. But everything else. The only one you're allowed to listen to. Yes. Everything else. (laughs) 
uh, yeah, it, it's a great Lenten discipline to disconnect and to reconnect with Christ, to reconnect mm-hmm. with the Lord. I mean, thank you, Father. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us, Father, and thank you for your vulnerability and in, in admitting kind of even those struggles that we all have oh, uh, totally. with Mass, but <laughs> also really helpful tips to engage more. So, yeah, yeah. thanks for, for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure and honor. I love talking with you guys and anytime, and it's always an honor and a pleasure. God bless you.